Well, Malia, she couldn't, uh, she couldn't be here tonight. They had practice tonight. But, um, man, I'm, I'm proud of her for doing that, and uh, I can't imagine what that took to do that, right? And so I just want to say, man, that's, that's one of the biggest reasons as to why we're doing this whole series um, this whole semester. Um, and we talked about it from the very beginning that, man, it don't matter how good your story is, no matter how ugly your story is, it, don't, it doesn't matter. Like, Jesus, he's there. Like, he loves you. He has an everlasting love for you, and that's the good news of our guy tonight. But, man, it's kind of like Carly stole the words out of my mouth. We didn't even talk to each other, but um, just of how she was talking about just this whole eternal aspect of, of who Jesus is as she was leading worship. And, and that is kind of what tonight is going to be about, is about his kingdom, and it's all about him. Obviously, every week we try to preach that, but really that is, that's technically what we're going to be going over tonight. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and mark your place in Hebrews chapter 11. And so we're going to camp out there tonight in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 13 through 16. That's where we're going to kind of camp out. And so go ahead. That's where we're doing this whole series. So go ahead and, and put your finger there. And then when you find Hebrews 11, flip to Genesis chapter 47. And so we're going to read Genesis 47 first and then flip back to Hebrews 11. So very, very first book of the Bible there. So, um, and so as you're turning there, it's kind of what we're going to be talking about is, uh, is the story of Jacob, right? And so many of you may not know this story. Honestly, I had a lot to learn as I dove into this. But uh, really this story, and it, it just, it, it, blows, it blows my mind how, how Jacob looked at life. Not just life, but also eternal life. And he looked at it in this way of we need to live one way, like here in the present, but at the same time, there's an eternal aspect to life as well. And I feel like a lot of times we, we forget that eternal aspect. We know that, that there's a here and now, but what about this eternal aspect? And so that is kind of what the main, the main part of tonight is. And so look with me in Genesis chapter 47. We're going to be in verses 27, no, verse 28 through 31. So it's coming up on the end of Jacob's life. Verse 28 of chapter 47 says this. Jacob lived in Egypt 17 years, and the years of his life were 147. When the time drew near for Israel to die, he called for his son Joseph and said to him, If I have found favor in your eyes, put your hand under my thigh and promise that you will show me kindness and faithfulness. Do not bury me in Egypt. But when I rest with my fathers, carry me out of Egypt and bury me where they are buried. I will do as you say, he said. Verse 31 says, swear to me, he said. Then Joseph swore to him, and Israel worshiped as he leaned on the top of his staff. And so we're going to kind of go from verse 31 to Hebrews 11. And that's where we're going to be in Hebrews 11. going to be camping out on that, on that last verse. So Hebrews chapter 11, verses 13 through 16. It kind of sums up what we've been talking about. It says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. 
there, there is obviously a lot that we could dive into tonight, but there are just a few things, just like every week, that I want to focus on. And when it comes to living like here and now in our lives, in our stories specifically, but at the same time, we know that we're going to have a heavenly home. Like as followers of Jesus, we're going to have a he- like we do have a heavenly home right now. So the first thing that we see in this scripture in Hebrews 11 is this. We need to live in the present, but we need to be focused on the future. We need to live in the present, focused on the future. Verse 14 If you're taking notes, it says it like this. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. Now, I I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but obviously it mentions this country, right? Like people people who, who say such things. So in other words... Not just the people of Hebrews 11, right? Like, yeah, we're walking through the hall of faith and all that good stuff. We see all these men, all these women, all these people. But verse 14 goes further. When it says people, it it goes further than just Hebrews 11. It's talking about me and you tonight, talking about these people here in Hebrews 11. And so it says people say such things. So in other words, they they live a Christian life. They they devote themselves to Christ. Like they literally, they they say, God, I don't want to live in sin anymore. I want to live for you. And so this is what this is saying. They say such things, they live such ways, and they show that they are looking for a country of their own. Now, obviously, when you, when you hear this word country, right, you obviously hear uh, and, and you probably imagine like a physical country like the United States of America or, or wherever else. And so you, you imagine this, or, or we see all throughout this scripture, everything we've been talking about, right, how, hey, this person has left this country, this person lives in this country, this person left this country to go to this country because, well, God, God said so and God told them to. So we see this whole idea of countries. But here in verse 14, it's really about this focusing on the future, on this future future country because later on whenever we whenever we look at this here in just a minute we're going to see that this future that this future that it talks about this this country that, that they are talking about they're living for is a heavenly is a heavenly home right and so I love how this one guy said it when it comes to faith and when it comes to your heavenly home he said faith is very difficult when we live as practical atheists this describes someone who may have a theoretical belief in God, but the belief doesn't matter in what they do from day to day. When we remember there is a spiritual reality, a heavenly home, that is our real home, faith is much easier. And I, I love how I love how the end of his quote here, he says, faith is much easier. Now, I, we could probably all go throughout the room and say, this is why faith is hard. This is why faith has been tough. In fact, this is why maybe I ran away from the faith for a little while, right? Like, this is why I never bought into the faith, but really what he is saying, and I love it, is he is saying how if we really live this life that is beyond not just a practical atheist, then we will get the most out of life. Now, most of you are like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm no practical atheist, but, but really, whenever you look at your life, do you, do you truly live from day to day? And this is what it's saying is that as practical atheists, it's difficult to live as a follower of Jesus Christ in this world. As this person who claims to follow Jesus, but at the same time doesn't really hold tight to a heavenly home, doesn't really hold tight to a hope that we have in the future or a hope that is going to be ours, a hope that is ours now, it's difficult to live out your faith. But in other words, if you truly don't just say, well, I'm, I'm just going to live this Christianity thing when it's convenient for me or whenever it comes by. But if you truly say, I'm going to focus on this spiritual reality, right? I'm going to remember there's a spiritual reality to my life. And I would just tell you to ask yourself the question, how often do you remember that there's a spiritual reality to your life, 
right? That may seem elementary tonight, but like how, how many times do you truly just take yourself away from the situation, whatever you're going through, whatever you got going on, and you understand, you know what? I am not going to be here forever and praise God for it. I, I'm not going to be going through this forever. I'm not going to be experiencing this forever. I have a spiritual reality. What does that mean? That means a heavenly home that is our real home. And, and that word real there is where we need to hammer in tonight, right? Of this real home that we are not going to spend forever here. We look in Scripture and we see that there are two destinations for every single person that walks this earth. A very real place called heaven and a very real place called hell. Right? And we, so we know in order to get to heaven, we know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Which means that we are to give up our lives in order to gain his and submit our lives to him. And so, so many of us, so much of our lives, especially this 18 to 25-year-old age range, right? All throughout college, man, I'm living out my college years. This is the best time of my life. You got all these things in your head. But the reality is you don't remember that you have a spiritual home. You don't remember that, that you need to be focused on the future. Yes, live in the present. And so many of you are like, well, you know, if, I, if I focus on the future, then I won't get the most out of my life. If I focus on the future, how in the world am I going to get the most out of college? How in the world am I going to get the most out of my relationships or my family? Whatever the case may be, how am I, if I'm focused on the future? And here's what he is saying. He's like, listen, take a minute to remember that where you are right now is not where you're meant to be ultimately inside of life, right? Like where you are right now is not where you're going to be forever. Focus on that which is forever. And, and here's, here's what this means practically tonight is that focusing on the future doesn't mean you, you don't get to enjoy life, right? It, it doesn't mean that. It means you get the absolute most out of life by being certain this life isn't all there is for you. And I can't help but to think of Malia and her story. I can't help but to think about it. I'm sure there were some, some eyes that were not dry in the room tonight whenever you listened to it. But do you truly feel the weight of what she was saying? Do you truly feel the weight of what she was saying when, when she said, listen, you know what? I just, I just had to give God my yes. I had to lay my yes on the table. Did I choose this? No. Did I want this? No. Was, did I think this was the best for my life? My gosh, no, I did not. Like, I had, a, I had a great relationship with my dad. Like, I had all this going on for me. Like, I envisioned even us in the future, man. I, I envisioned him at my wedding with my kids. All these good things, right? I envisioned all this, but here's the reality, is that as you focus on the future, you get the absolute most out of life because you know <laughs> this isn't the end for me. And, and I love how it's not just Malia's story, but also in Genesis 47.30. You don't have to turn back there. Just listen. Genesis 47.30, it says, But when I rest with my fathers, carry me out of Egypt and bury me where they are buried. And, and I wonder, what is it going to take inside of our lives? And I say ours, like both, all of us, like me and you both. What is it going to take to look at life like Jacob is looking at life. He is saying, listen, I haven't gotten there yet, but when I do die, right, when I get there, but when I rest with my fathers, in other words, when I die, carry me out of Egypt and bury me where they are buried. This dude didn't even want to be around the world when he was dead. 
And so many of us, we have such a massive desire to be with the world when we're living. And Jacob is like, listen, I'm going to look to the future so much. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on the future so much that you better listen. Even when I'm dead, you better not associate me with these folks who don't live for Jesus Christ. Right? This is, this is what he was saying. He was saying, listen, I'm looking forward to another country. I am focused on my future with Jesus Christ. So much so that whenever I get there pretty soon, he's on his deathbed, right? He's almost dying. He's getting there. He's the end of his life. He's like, when I get there, when I'm not here anymore spiritually, but my physical body is, here's what you are to do with my body. That speaks volumes. Because a lot of us, we go to college or we're, we enter this age to where we feel we're independent, we're away from mom and dad, whatever the case may be. And, and, and we, we enter this stage of life and we do all we can to get the most out of ourselves. For some reason, we do all we can to soak up life for ourselves. What are our desires telling us? I'm going to do it. What are my temptations telling me? I'm going to do it. What, what, what are my, what's my culture telling me? What's my class telling me? What is my school telling me? I'm going to live this way. And Jacob says, you're, you're missing the point of life. You're missing the point. You need to focus on the future. So what is, what is Jacob's model for, for our lives? Here's his model. Center every day of your life on the future promises of God. And here's what I mean by that is a lot of times we, we center uh, really our lives around, well, us, if you want to be honest, right? And so we're here in the center of our lives. And so if we have time, there's, there's all these things around us. You can put in church, you can put in relationships, you can put in God, whatever the case may be. And so all this stuff is around us because why, well, we're the center of our life. If we're not the center, then we're not doing it right, right? And so we're the center of our lives. And so we're focused only on who? Ourself. And so as we are focused on ourselves, all these things are going on. And we're like, well, I, man, I need time for that. I need time for that. If I have time, I'm going to go here. I know mom and dad said this is good for me. Uh, I grew up here and this was good for me, so I'm going to do this. And so we do all these things centered around ourselves when Jacob's model says, no, don't center every day around you. Center every day around the promises of God. Center every day on what he has promised you inside of Scripture. So in other words, it will go from this is my world to this is Jesus' world I'm just living it. This is God's world. I am just here. I'm the one who is walking this earth now, and God has told me how to live. He has told me what to do. And so, therefore, he is at the center of my life now. And if he is at the center of my life, that means I am not. And if I am not, that means my desires are not. My temptations are not, right? Like all these things inside of my life, they're not controlling me anymore. They have no right, right? We sing it all the time. It's broken the chains, it's, it's, it's broken the chains, and so therefore I am not connected anymore. But so many of us live as if, you know what, yeah, we follow Jesus, but at the same time, man, we're, we're not, we don't realize we're not focused on the future. And Jacob says, in order to get the most out of life, you have to, it's necessary to remove yourself from the center and put God in his rightful place inside of your life. But Scripture goes along and tells us the second point that we should live in the present, but we should desire the future. So we should not just be focused on the future, but we should also desire the future. Look in verses 15 and 16. They say it like this. Verse 15 goes along. It says, if they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Now, I, I don't know if you have seen this or not, but, but I love how it's worded here. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. 
So it gives you this dynamic picture of there's been a transformation. They have left one thing, they are going to another. Same with your life. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus, you have left that country. You have left the country of being a rebel of Jesus. If you have claimed to be a follower of Jesus, you have left that country of doing your own thing. You have left the country of your desires. You have left the country of all that you're feeling, all that you think you should live life. And at the same time, you are moving towards the future. In other words, you desire the future. Here's how I like to think about it. You're like, well, how in the world do, do I do I know I desire it? How do I, how do I desire a heavenly home? I'll show you an example. I'm from a small town. If you don't know that, I'm from a small town, right? Geneva, Alabama. Anybody know where that is? Good. Great. We can be, we can be best friends. Great. Okay, so here's the deal. I grew up in a small town, right? So therefore, in your small town, I love to hunt. Anybody love to hunt? Come on, y'all. Listen, I love to fish. I love to ride four-wheelers. We call it mud and back where we're from, right? Like, we, I, I love to do all this stuff. Believe it or not, I may wear the white tennis shoes here, but I love to do that stuff, right? And so it's one of those things to where that, I have desires inside of my life, right? Like, if I don't hunt, I'm an upset man. If I don't fish, I'm going to be upset, right? If, if I don't do these things inside of my life, Jamie could tell you, I need a good meal every once in a while. So maybe it's been a rough week, man. I'm going to go out and treat myself. You know what I'm saying? Anybody with me, right? And so you do these things to where you have these desires inside of your life. By the way, Alabama football, if I don't, don't bring up Saturday, but if I don't watch it, all right? Hey, listen, hey, roll tie. If I don't watch it, all right, I'm going to be an upset man. Jamie knows on every Saturday we're going to be at the house. I don't care what time they're playing. We're not going to play in any events or anything. We're going to be there watching them, good and bad days even though since 2019, it's, it's okay, all right? Here's the deal. You have these desires inside of your life, right? Here's how you should look at Scripture. You should look at Scripture with the desires inside of your life. If you don't get the desires that are good that God has created you with to enjoy this life, you, you're not going to be happy. He has created all of us with, with talents and with gifts and with want-tos and desires to do things inside of our life. Here's the deal. If you don't look at look at your future home in that type of way, then something, something is wrong. Here's what I mean by that. If you don't get Jesus every single day, you should be an upset person. If you don't see heaven inside of your life every single day inside of your friend group, you should be an upset person. If, if you don't desire the future so much, so much so that every single day, if I don't get my quiet time, I'm going to be an upset person. If I don't get to talk to my God every single day, I desire it so much. If I don't get it, people around me are going to know because I'm going to be upset. We should have this overwhelming desire, not just inside of our physical lives, but inside of our spiritual lives, right? That we desire heaven so much that we are upset if we don't get it. And so as followers of Jesus, like we, we have no reason to desire this world. And that is one of the biggest things inside of this age group is that, listen, some of you, you think it's okay to, de to desire this world and to indulge in this world while following Jesus. And Scripture doesn't teach that. Scripture doesn't teach that you should be dying to do the things of this world. Scripture doesn't teach that, listen, you should thrive off doing things of this world. Yes, there's one thing in temptation and in struggling, that's a whole other issue. But if you desire it so much so that you have to have it, something, something may be going on there. And so we see this inside of Scripture that Jacob understood like that one day Jesus would die and be raised to life in order to save him from this world. So today we understand that Jesus has died and was raised to save us from this world. Do you see this as, as the motivating desire inside of Jacob's life? Even back in Genesis, right? Like Jesus had not come yet. 
And so Jesus is still a few years from coming, several years from coming, right? And so, but Jacob, he was looking so forward. He desired the future so much that he was clinging. He knew there would be a Messiah come named Jesus. He would come to save his people from their sins. He would come to die on a cross to be raised from the dead and so that sin would be defeated forever. Death would be defeated forever. And so we see that Jacob, this was his desire. He's saying, God, I haven't seen it yet. But God, I'm, I'm going to hold to that desire, and I'm going to hold to it, and I'm going to live by it. I'm going to live by it because I know there's a future home for me. Same thing is true for us. We're not looking forward. We're looking back at it. That is where our faith comes from. Jacob's faith came from, I'm going to look forward to what is going to happen because I know my God is true and he is faithful. We today, we're looking back 2,000 years. I know my God did this. And so I know my God did this. Why? Not so I could indulge in the things of this world, but because I can desire more of him. My God died for me. And when you look at it in that standpoint, he didn't just die for the world. He died for me. That's not selfish. That's, that's grace. To say, all right, I'm going to go from a worldview of who God is. I'm going to go to an individual view of who God is. And that, brothers and sisters, will change the reality of how you see Jesus Christ. And so in order to believe the future promises of God, here's how you do it. We must lift our eyes to our hope that is beyond this world. Do you see that? The hope that is beyond this world. It's cool how you can look at the word longing here in verse 16. It says, instead, so they did not go back to their old desires. Instead, they were longing for a better country. In other words, they, they had this yearning desire for a better country. Right? They, they had this overwhelming desire. And so in order, in order to believe the future promises of God, here's what's necessary for it to happen. You got to have a bird's eye view of what you're going through, what's going on inside of your life, right? You, in other words, you've got to look and fix your eyes on things above and realize I'm not meant to stay in this forever. I'm, not, I'm going through it. I'm living in it, but it's not going to have the best of me. And so therefore, instead of staring at it, instead of letting it get the best of me, what I'm going to do is I'm going to lift my eyes like the scripture says, and I'm going to focus on the future. I'm going to focus on hope. I'm going to focus on my future home. I'm going to focus on the fact that Jesus is sovereign. I'm going to focus on the fact that he will never leave me or forsake me. My circumstances, they're telling me that he is, but I know my God, he's not going to do it. I know my circumstances are telling me that this is going to happen, that this is happening. My circumstances are trying to lie to me. Satan is using this stuff, but I know I can't listen. I'm living in it, but I'm not focused on it. And that's what we've got to do. We've got to be focused heavenward. Nothing about that is wrong. In fact, God commands us. Jacob is telling us to do that. This is how Jacob lived his life. He didn't live his life, oh man, I'm on my deathbed. Gosh, these things I wish I'd have done in life. No, he is focused. He's like, I'm about to die. Here's what's going to happen. I know my God is faithful, my God is good, I have a heavenly home, and that is what my eyes are going to be fixed towards. And so that leads us to our, our third and final, final point tonight. We need to live in the present, but be confident in the future. We, we should have this confidence about the future. Verse 16, we just read, it says, instead they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And if I can just be transparent in the room for a few minutes, this is one of the biggest things that people deal with, especially 18 to 25-year-olds. Why do I know that? Because I meet with you guys every single week, really daily, kind of, sort of, almost. And so it's one of those things to where confidence gets brought up a lot within your age group. Confidence gets brought up as one of those things to where, well, how do I know 
if I'm really a Christian? How can I be confident in that? How can I be confident in the fact that, that Jesus is who he says he is? How can I be confident in this and this and this? And so many people struggle with this confidence. And so God calls us to, as we live in the present, don't just like, don't, don't, don't just focus on, on what is coming. Don't just desire what is coming, but be confident in what is coming. And this is why we know that we have this confidence is by as we, are, as we choose to be followers of Jesus, we know that that takes us giving up our sins, right? It takes us saying, God, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. And so, God, I need your Holy Spirit to come do something in me that I can't do for myself. I need him to transform my life. And so here's what, here's what people miss a lot of times is that what comes along with the Holy Spirit is not just salvation. It's not just X, Y, Z, but it's a confidence that you have. It's a confidence that you don't, you don't have to worry about if you're going to lose your salvation because you're not. It, it, you don't have to worry about, am I really a Christian? Because if you chose to follow Jesus, then, then you chose to follow Jesus. The Holy Spirit is inside of you. And so you should live this life that confident in the future, not just confident here in the here and now, but confident in the future as to what is going to happen. God has said it, so I'm going to believe it. God has put it in his word, so I'm not just going to read it. I'm going to live by it. This is what being confident in the future means. Is the copy that every single one of you have in your hand or even on your phone. What he says in his word. We have to see it as, you know what, I'm, I'm going to live this. And I'm going to be confident in what my God said he is going to do. How he told me to live my life, I'm going to live it that way. How he told me to talk, I'm going to talk that way. Who he told me to hang around, I'm going to hang around him, right? And so it is only natural for you to be confident now because of what God has promised in the future. And the reason I say that is because so many people struggle with that. But here's the deal. It is only natural because so many times we, we naturalize being unconfident in salvation, Right? This culture, for some reason, we, we naturalize this whole idea of, you know what, I'm not going to be confident. I'm going to spend my whole life wondering, doubting, questioning God, trying to make a deal with God, try to bargain with God. I'm going to spend my whole life doing these things. And scripture comes along, especially Jacob, he's like, you're, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your life. Don't, don't let the unknown rob you of your confidence, right? And so it's natural for you to be confident because of what God has promised for the future. And so I love this about Jacob. Because of his confidence in his future home in Genesis 47, as we read Genesis 47, Jacob shows us that worship has the ability to fix our eyes on the bigger picture. Have you ever seen this before? In Genesis 47, as we read it, and he was leaning on his staff, and he was about to, about to die. He is showing us that we, we have a life to live on purpose. And this worship, this life we live, it needs to be centered on the worship of Jesus Christ inside of your life. Because then and only then will we have the ability to fix our eyes on things above. You can't fix your eyes on things above without worship. You can't fix your eyes on things above if you're apart from God's word. You can't fix your eyes on things above if you're away from his church every single week. You can't fix your, thing, fix your eyes on things above if you are disconnected from the source that is allowing you to fix your eyes on things above. And so we have to realize that as we are living this life, as we are confident in the future, a big part of that is by fixing your eyes on the bigger picture. And many of us are living this life, and we say we're confident. We say 
that we're where, where we need to be with Jesus, but we know good and well our eyes are not on the bigger picture. Because if they were on the bigger picture, then your life would look a lot different. And not just you, but your friends' lives would look a lot different. So here's, here's what we're going to close with as, as an encouragement for you. Is that as a follower of Jesus in the room tonight, God has prepared a city just for you. So don't live your life focused on anything else, desiring anything else, or confident in anything else. And you may be able to think as we go into this time of invitation, you may be able to think of these things, right? Things that may be in your life that, that you're, you're focused on instead of Jesus Christ. Maybe you're, you're desiring other than Jesus Christ. Or maybe that you're confident in other than Jesus Christ. And we, we, all, we all have failures. We all have those things inside of our life. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to think of those things. And don't just think of those things. But as you think about it, I need you to confront it tonight. And realize that you're not meant to live this life apart from Jesus Christ. Some of you, you need to give your life to Jesus for the very first time. Some of you, you've been a Christian for a while now. Maybe you're focused on something that you don't need to be focused on, maybe a desire that you don't need to have. Either way, as we go into this time, I want to encourage you, come to this altar, right? Like lay it, lay it down. Come talk to somebody. Get in the aisle. Do whatever you have to do. But here's the deal. Don't, don't waste your life. By, by focusing or desiring or being confident in anything else than, than the true source of eternal life himself, Jesus Christ. Y'all pray with me real quick. God, we do love you tonight. God, we thank you so much for um, just all that you're doing. God, and we, we want to take this minute, God, just to, to soak in your words from tonight, Lord. God, of how you are so, so good to us. And God, we see from Jacob, Lord, these valuable life lessons. God, of how, yes, we're living in the present, obviously, God, we can't change that. Just like Malia's story, God, she is, she's went through a lot. God, just as she lived in the present, she faced things that she, God, didn't want to face. She didn't see it necessary to face it. But God, just like Jacob, we see through her story that, God, she, she was focused on the future with tears in her eyes, with a broken and shattered heart, with questions in her mind about you, God. Lord, she was focused on you. God, she was, she was focused. God, she, she desired you. God, as she is weeping at the loss of her dad. And she is saying, hey, I know I'm in this. I know I'm living this. But I don't, I don't need to focus on this. I don't. My God is bigger. My God is better. And so therefore, I'm going to desire him in this moment. And so Jesus, we want to thank you for Malia tonight. God, and I personally, God, I want to thank you for her dedication to you. God, and this is why we do all of this. This is why we have a service. This is why we, we have rehearsals and a band and music and, a, and the word. Is God, we want people to desire you. We want people to be saturated, Lord, in your word. And God, in this culture, we know that that is so hard sometimes. And it's not the popular thing to do. 
But God, eternities depend on it. And Lord, quite frankly, we don't have time to focus on anything else. So God, tonight as Lord Malia set the example for us and Lord, as Jacob taught us so many things tonight in your word, Lord, we, we pray that this would be contagious. That God, your words would leap off these pages. That God, your, your Holy Spirit, as God, he gives us confidence, he also convicts us. And God, I pray that tonight, God, for the souls in the room, God, who have never given their lives to you, we pray that right now, God, that they would give their lives to you during this invitation time. And that, God, they would know that they should desire you above all else. They should be confident in you above all else. God, that's why we're here. That's why, we, that's why we're living. That's why we have a life. God, that's why we have a song to sing. It's all about your glory, God. It's all about the future heavenly home. God, that is prepared for us. So Jesus, tonight, help us not be a group that simply focuses on what is going on, the temporary that is going on. But God, as we live in the temporary, help us be focused on the future. Help us be focused on your glory. God, we may weep, we may, God, we may hurt, our hearts may break, but God, we are not abandoned, we are not forsaken. God, we are not left alone because you're good. So Jesus, we pray that over the group tonight. We pray that over the stories tonight. We pray that over the hearts that are already convicted. God, that you would do what only you could do. God, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.